When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Bellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. Now, among botanical-style aquarium enthusiasts, that's you and me and everybody hopefully listening to this, the idea of adding leaves to our aquariums is just sort of what you do. The ideas come out of the shadows as some sort of weird and risky thing. It's become sort of a standard, complete with considerations, techniques, and even best practices. Now, probably the biggest consideration when you work with leaves is to utilize those which have naturally fallen and dried up. This is really important. Dried fallen leaves, such as those that we favor and those that we sell and those that we use when we collect our own, have, don't have nearly the impact on water quality in terms of nitrate as fresh leaves would when added carefully and slowly. I've routinely seen undetectable nitrate and phosphate levels in well-managed aquariums loaded with leaves. This is largely because dead, dried leaves have depleted the vast majority of stored sugars and other compounds which lead to the production of nitrogenous substances in the confines of an aquarium. Makes sense. To understand this more fully, let's look at what happens when a leaf dies and falls into the water in the first place. At some point, the leaves of deciduous trees, trees which shed trees annually, stop photosynthesizing in their structures and other metabolic processes with, which in, within the leaves themselves begin to sort of shut down. And that triggers a process in which the leaves essentially pass off valuable nitrogen and other compounds to storage tissues throughout the tree for utilization, which is kind of cool, right? Ultimately, the dying leaves sort of seal themselves off from the tree with a layer of spongy tissue at the base of the stalk, and then the dry skeleton just falls off the tree. The fact that they've depleted the majority of their onboard sugars and other compounds is something that we as hobbyists should take away directly when we consider adding them to our aquariums. As we know by now, in nature, when these leaves fall into the water or are immersed following the seasonal rains, they form a valuable substrate for fungi to break down the remaining intact leaf structures. And the fungi population helps contribute to the bacterial population, which creates the now famous biofilms, which consist of sugars and vitamins and various proteins, which many fishes in both their juvenile and adult phases utilize for supplemental nutrition. And of course, as the fishes eliminate their waste in the metabolic process, this feeds the lower life forms and contributes further to the aquatic food change. And yeah, it all starts with a dried up leaf. It's a pretty amazing legacy for a humble leaf, wouldn't you say? Hence, leaving leaves to fully decay in your aquarium likely reaches a point where the detritus is essentially inert as well, consisting of the skeletonized sections of leaf tissues, which can decay no further. Dried leaves contain largely inert forms of polysaccharides and you know, are rich in structures like lignin and cellulose, all of which are utilized by various microorganisms and fungi within the food chain. Food chain. Why did I say food chain? That's weird. <laughs> anyway, utilizing leaf litter in our aquariums opens up all sorts of possibilities for interesting experiments, doesn't it? Of course. You, uh, and the other thing, too, of course, you can grab leaves. You can grab your own leaves. Why this is even debated on forums and, you know, hobby discussions is beyond me. You know, like the only leaves you can use in your aquarium have to be purchased from us or some other online vendor. That's just fucking stupid. But yet I get that a lot. And, 
and people say, ah, see, you're trying to sell us leaves. It's like, well, yeah, I am, because not everybody lives in an area where they can collect leaves. But on the other hand, if you can, grab some. So what leaves can you collect and use for yourself? Well, an obvious choice for me would be magnolia. Uh, it's obvious for a lot of people in North America and parts of Europe. There's plenty of references for identifying the exact species you have in your area. We've personally tried a few varieties and we've determined that no one is substantially better than the other. The important thing with magnolia is that you collect them like every other leaf has naturally fallen, not green, and that you rinse them and take the time to wipe them off and dry them a little bit before use. While you can use magnolia when they're nice and crispy, I personally prefer them when they're a little bit fresher, more recently fallen, not as quite as dried up. In this particular state, they're not only more attractive, but I think they also last a little bit longer and prepare better. And I think they also recruit biofilms really nicely. And anecdotally, they tend to um, impart a little more color to the water when they're in this more freshly fallen state, at least in my opinion. And that little waxy dermal layer they have helps retain moisture and they can get moldy if you sit there if you put them in a bag and they're sitting for a while so you want to keep them out and air dry them a little bit after they're you know fallen if you're not going to use them right away mold's not necessarily harmful but it can be typically you know it can be typically wiped away and uh or even eliminated during boiling in the prep process but it's unpleasant to look at and i get you okay but what about other leaves well you've got oak obviously beech ash and there's many many other leaves that are commonly used in the aquarium hobby by people that play with leaves at the risk of overgeneralizing, numerous species of naturally fallen dried leaves are perfectly safe for aquariums. Personally, other than some obviously known toxic species or species which are known to contain oils and other dangerous compounds, I'd try just about any leaf. Again, I said personally because no one can guarantee the suitability of any old leaf. This is just my comfort zone. There are literally hundreds of possibilities here, but I can't give you the pros and cons on each one. Some may have toxins or oils in their tissues, which can be problematic or even deadly for fishes. The reality is that you'll need to research, collect, prepare, and experiment with them on your fishes and do it carefully. When I receive those DMs and you know emails asking me, are such and such a leave okay to use? That's the exact answer I give. I just don't know. I'm not a botanist or you know, botanical chemist where I can tell you every single chemical composition of every leaf. It's just something I can't do. Uh, do you don't like the idea of experimenting with your fishes like that? Well. I know there's a place online where you can buy some leaves that are pretty much, you know, fish safe. Oh wait, crap, that was a blatant commercial pitch, wasn't it? Now you can't trust any of the information I talked about in this vlog, right? <laughs> Sorry. No, okay, so seriously. So the next obvious question, besides which leaves to use, would be to ask, why would you want to do this? Okay, fair enough. Well, it starts by looking at our biggest source of inspiration, nature. In nature, as we've discussed many times, leaf litter zones comprise one of the richest and most diverse biotopes in the tropical ecosystem. Yet until recently, they've seldom been replicated in the aquarium. And I think this has been due in part to the lack of continuous availability of leaves for hobbyists to work with. That sounds kind of funny, but people like things easy, so it hasn't been available. And a lack of real understanding, that's more important, about what this type of biotope, this habitat is all about. Not to mention the understanding of the practicality of creating one in the aquarium. It just hasn't been discussed much over the last you know, 20, 30, 40 years. You know, these long-held fears and concerns like overwhelming our systems with biological materials and the overall look of decomposing stuff in our tanks have understandably led to this being relegated to sort of a sideshow status for many years. It's only been recently that we started looking at them more objectively as ecological niches worth replicating in aquariums. And man, they are. In the tropical species of trees, 
the phenomenon of leaf drop is hugely important to the surrounding forest environment. Vital nutrients are typically bound up in the leaves, as we've talked about. So a regular release of leaves by the trees helps replenish the minerals and nutrients in the soils, which are typically depleted from eons of leaching into the surrounding forests. Quite literally, leaf litter beds occur when leaves from the surrounding forest trees fall into the streams and rivers below or are submerged following seasonal inundation of formerly dry forest floors. The accumulation of leaves become literally oases of life. Organisms of all type are sort of all types are sort of recruited by these aggregations, and fishes are drawn to leaf litter beds for shelter, food, and spawning sites. Over time, many of these leaf litter beds continue to accumulate more leaves and grow in size, essentially becoming semi-permanent topographical features in the regions in which they accumulate, often lasting for many years. They're really compelling. In my research, I stumbled upon uh, an interesting excerpt from a, an academic paper on uh, Amazonian blackwater leaf litter communities by a biologist named Peter Allen Henderson. And it's one that's useful for us, uh, that are those of us that are attempting to replicate these communities in our little aquariums. Uh, I'll read this quote to you. It says, quote, life within the leaf litter is not a crowded chaotic scramble for space and food. Each species occupies a sub-region defined by physical variables such as flow and oxygen content, water depth, litter depth, and particle size. The subtle division of space is the key to understanding the maintenance of diversity. While subdivision of time is also evident with, for example, gymnotids hunting by night and cichlids hunting by day, this is only possible when each species has its own space within which to hide. In other words, there's an orderly world contained within you know, the leaf litter beds, almost like coral reefs. Different species of fishes inhabit different sections of the leaf litter bed, and we should consider this when creating and stocking our biotope systems, or biotope-inspired systems, I should say. The implication for aquariums is that we can literally create a diverse fish community by embracing a deep leaf litter bed as the theme of our aquarium. This is really neat stuff, and we're just scratching the surface here. So beyond just creating an aggregation of material which imparts tannins and humic substances into the water in our tanks and adds some color to the water, we're creating a little habitat. Every bit as interesting, diverse, and complex as any other we attempt to replicate. In the aquarium, you need to consider both practicality and aesthetics when replicating this ecological niche. I get it. Suffice it to say, the leaf litter bed is a surprisingly dynamic and one might even say rich little benthic biotope contained within an otherwise impoverished waters, black water. And as we've discussed many times in this podcast and in our blog, it should come as no surprise that a large and surprisingly diverse assemblage of fishes make their homes within the, and closely adjacent to these leaf litter beds. These are little food oases in areas that are otherwise devoid of food. And as we've discussed repeatedly over the past couple of years, there's so many benefits to putting leaf litter in the aquarium and employing it in some capacity, whether it's for water conditioning, supplemental food, or a home for specialty fishes, or simply for a cool looking display. Simply overcoming our ingrained aesthetic preferences and accepting the decomposing leaves as a natural, transitory, and altogether unique habitat to cherish in the aquarium opens up so many incredible possibilities. As we've discussed repeatedly over the years, there are so many benefits to doing this, it's not even funny. The many benefits of leaf litter in the natural environment and in our aquariums make them invaluable educational tools, helping us learn more and more about the, the form and function of the wonders of nature. Now, could all this playing of leaves and be more of a technique in the aquarium hobby than previously considered? I'm thinking so. The spirit of experimentation, evolving technique, and understanding is just part of the wonderful legacy of leaves. Stay creative, stay thoughtful, stay bold, stay diligent, stay experimental, stay curious, and always stay wet. 
Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tenant Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tenant.